Hello and welcome to Tea and Heresy. This is a podcast on history, magic, the occult, spirituality, literature, art, and the occasional socio-political rant. My name is Cassie. I hold a Bachelor of Arts and Honours degree in history, and I'm so grateful that you're sharing your presence with me today. I invite you to make yourself a cup of tea or coffee, or stop in somewhere for a takeaway as we're about to dive into some juicy discussions. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Daniel Aurelian Cumming is joining me today yet again for part two of the qualms that we have with the New Age community. It's taken us a hot minute to get here, but we are here. <laughs> and I'm hoping there's going to be a bit more informative little sessions that we get to uh, join forces on in the future. Indeed. As well, indeed, Rooney. Um, so I guess just kicking it off, we covered a lot of different things in the previous episode. Uh, talking about the New Age community, and it was a little bit sporadic here and there just because it's, this is a a passionate topic, <laughs> and it's got so many layers to it, and there's just a lot to say and a lot to unpack, which I'm intending on, highlight intending, on unpacking more in separate ep episodes on, like, individual topics. And I guess this is just giving a rundown of our own personal experiences, our beliefs, things that we've personally researched and felt into. And this is all, I guess, things that we've observed and just relaying the observations and our own thoughts and opinions in regards to it. If you haven't listened to the previous episode on intuition, I highly recommend it. I'm very proud of that one. Um, and then coming back to this one. And we'll slightly touch on intuition, I think, a little bit because it is a topic that's rampant throughout the community like everyone seems to be talking about it and as I said in the previous episode like a lot of people seem to be talking about it but I don't see many people unpacking it and I think that's just what Daniel and I tend to do in general I don't know if it's just our investigator archetypes acting out or what it is but we unpack a lot and I've unpacked more being in this relationship than I have anywhere else you know and it's really I've loved it and it's been a really beautiful tool an important tool um yeah because I if I could just yeah touch on the intuition piece because the idea of intuition I think that people think there's a right answer mm. or a right decision to every like every decision right every action and you know, if we really unpack that, what is the right decision? You know, imagine you're leaning towards two different jobs and you're like, oh, I need to tune into my intuition to find the right one. The right one for what? Like, what do you actually want? Mm. And so the more you begin to know yourself and what you actually want deep down, then your body can start to give you and give you feedback on the information that you've t obtained so far. Yeah. And from a tantric model, like your intuition comes in the, into the pranic realm where we've got our senses, five senses, physical body, and then we've got the next layer down, which is our mind and emotions. And then the next realm, is, which is the pranic realm. And that's where we get into like, you know, energetic ideas. Like even when you're hungry, like how do you know you're hungry? Mm. It's because there's a part of your body 
that tells you. It's like your intuition. Oh, I'm like hungry. My intuition tells me I'm hungry right now. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a subtle Sorry. energy body. Um, but people who know their cycles, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're ovulating or something like that, you might be able to tell. But it's it's through information. And like we talked about this the other day, mm. like a good that's a good example to start with let's say that you think you're ovulating then if you have a way to check like your basal temperature and all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. and actually check if you are then you can actually have some feedback to know if you are the problem is and i don't know if you haven't listened to your intuition piece mm -hmm. yet because you've just recorded it and you haven't released it yet um as we're recording this <laughs> um but a lot of people don't check if they're actually right they're like oh yeah my intuition is telling me this but have you actually checked if your compass is pointing to the right way? And, and that's the thing, people have these intuitive things like, I'm just gonna intuitively use these oils and intuitively you, you know, pick these cards and do the readings and all that sort of stuff. It's like, but are you using a tool to check if your intuition is right? Like, and can it be right? That's the thing, because if you're just doing it intuitively and can't really re be wrong, then really you're not, that's not intuition to mm. me. Like intuition, is a deep knowing of yourself or a craft or a way of operating where your body has absorbed it so efficiently and so well and so deeply that you intuitively know. You don't have to think about it. You don't really even have to feel into it. Your body just knows and like there's that quick lightning fast action. Um, what's the movie called that we were talking about the other day, that, that murder mystery one? I'm not sure. Um, oh, um, Knives Out. With, Knives Out. Yeah, Chris yeah. Evans. And I want to talk that. about it, but I also don't want to spoil the movie. But there's it's been out for a while. Okay. It's so there's, your a own part, fault. there's a part of the movie towards the end where everything starts to uh, become apparent what's actually happened in the murder mystery. Uh, and a character picks up something and she automatically knows the weight of it. Uh, and basically, like, I won't go too much into it because I don't want to spoil it if you haven't watched it. But if you watch that, that is a perfect version of what I see as intuition in that she knew her craft so well. She was working with the thing that she picked up. Uh, and even though the person was trying to get her to pick up the wrong thing, she knew she had the right thing because of her intuition told her. She mm. didn't even need to think about it. Um, it's like second nature. Exactly. And that's what a lot of the case studies that I was looking into uh, were referring to. And one was talking about dentists and how after years and years of practices and all practicing their their craft, their science, their skill set, that in particular circumstances where kind of everything goes out the window and they have to make a decision on the whim, they know their craft so well, they kind of know what's going to work, what's not going to work and all of that. And it's your mind and body connection, I think, just acts a lot quicker. You're not having to really step-by-step mm. step guide yourself through the things. And that's like, as I said in the previous episode, it's the I just like, I guess, using the term in that podcast of the subconscious intuition, yeah. just to give the idea of it's your subconscious knowing. Um, and then there's also like that deep, like the psychic aspects that come yeah. into it as well. But first and foremost, deciphering which one it is. Exactly. Instead of just saying, I'm an intuitive person, I can just feel... Uh, they've just got a bad vibe, they're just this and they're going to be doing that. It's like, well, have you unpacked that? Are they just emulating something that is reflective of an experience you had in the past? And being able to balance and have openness to yourself being proven wrong in a way of like, well, it could be emulating this back to you for your own healing, but then also having your guard up for it because it might as it may very well be a similar situation. 
but being open to it not being your experience. Yeah, exactly. And it goes and into the projection with the intuition. Yeah, and like which part are you actually acting from? And, you know, most of the time we're acting from our instinctual, like, defensive tendencies, mm -hmm. which operate, like, most of the time. And that's only really where we can start to, like, realise what those are that we can tell if we're actually getting into the deeper parts of ourselves because those will always override everything. And we're much more focused on the negative things. Like, I don't know if we chatted to, about it on your podcast yet, but we're psychologically and biologically designed to focus on... Uh, negative things about five times more than positive mm. things because this has kept us uh, surviving. Yeah. You know, if we were focused Evolution. on positive things, it's like they, the example they give in a book called Buddha's Brain is if we were 50% focused on the apple and 50% focused on the tiger that's sitting underneath the apple tree, half of us are going to die. And maybe half of us died, but the people who survived, what did they have in common? They probably focused on the negative aspect. Mm. Yeah, so that's treated us well, but survival, but now we're in survival like mode now when we don't need to be and you know an example was someone told me the other day that they met someone and they had a really bad feeling about them uh and like didn't trust them even though everything that was t that was telling them uh otherwise and so you know someone might be like yeah you trust it girl like trust that intuition and then she actually unpacked it and realized that it was just the look of that person remind her of an ex-boyfriend who treated her like absolute crap mm. And it turns out like that that is like nothing like his personality at mm. all. Like you know what I mean? So it's like she re she unpacked it and yeah. realized it's like why isn't my body responding this way? And it's just because the the facial features, the like all that sort of stuff. It had nothing. I mean, who who knows? Mm. But like that's a perfect example of like not just assuming that that's your intuition telling. That's actually just your computer system, like yeah. your survival system, scanning, going. Um, you know, this looks familiar. Alert, alert, scanning alert. for abnormalities. <laughs> yeah. It's basically scanning for dangers. Yeah. And, you know, it's... it's uh, We're still animals. We're, st mm. we're, we're, we're animals that work on, like, almost like a computer system. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that, you know, we can't tap into those deeper parts because I absolutely believe I can. I've seen people that can do it. I've had moments of it myself. Mm. Um, but I think it's much more rare than we think it is in that a lot of people that think they're doing that um haven't tested it out to see its actual accurate mm. um accuracy and efficiency they haven't unpacked whether it's like a just a survival mechanism or if it's actually deep knowing and mm. intuition um and yeah they haven't really spent the time to really develop these kind of abilities and and yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think a lot of people hear this word a lot and they just think that whatever their brain is telling them, that's their intuition where, like, yeah. I don't yeah, know if this is no, sense. definitely. And I just want to uh, hone in a little bit on what you're saying on the focusing on the, the negative um, as opposed to the positive because we've seen a flip with that within the New Age community where it's focusing all on the positive, which I will touch on because... It's a whole philosophical process that inspired this. So um, initially, the New Age community kind of derived from, just from what I've looked into, the New Thought, which was a movement in the early 19th century, um, which, you know, was just looking at the ancient thoughts and then tying in wisdom and philosophies from everywhere around the world, Greece, Rome, Egyptian, Chinese, Taoist, Vedic, Hindu, Buddhism. So it was like a mishmash of everything um which in this 
case I don't think is like a negative thing in relation to like I was just saying previously uh, to Daniel before this of like well that's how I used to all kind of operate in a way of like oh I like what the messages they say in this side I like what they say in this and they've got there's truth within all religions and philosophies and then it's just instead of regurgitating all of that to sit with it and draw your own conclusions which is what I mentioned in the previous podcast as well uh, but yeah, the, the new thought came from the teachings of Phineas Quimby, um, who was a mesmerist and healer. I like that word mesmerist. Mm. Um, I'm assuming that is, I'm just looking, I've got a computer open in front of me. Um, anyways, I just like that word, but he developed a belief system that included the tenant that illness originated in the mind and as a consequence of erroneous beliefs and that a mind open to God's wisdom could overcome any illness. So we can see the Christian influence kind of seeping through it. It's not just out of thin air that I'm drawing these comparisons. It's very prevalent in its formation of thought. And I agree with, you know, that the, the mind is an incredible thing and that the dis-ease within the body when looked at energetically and looking at all, all factors involved can be shifted. Um, there's obviously the other aspects that need a lot more help with it and it can need medical intervention as well. Um, so just prefacing that. And so what he says is that the trouble is in the mind for the body is only the house for the mind to dwell in. Therefore, if your mind has been deceived by some invisible enemy into a belief you have, put it into the form of a disease, with or without your knowledge. By my theory or truth, I come in contact with your enemy and restore you to the health and happiness. This I do partly mentally and partly by taking it till I correct the wrong impression and establish the truth. And the truth is the cure. I can see room in that for a lot of manipulation tactics of just um, a friend of ours explained to us an experience they had where um, they were part of a cult and they had the you know the people kind of placing their hand on the head being like expel the demons and they're like shaking and like crying mm. and all of that which triggers a response in you as well um, and so then that goes into the thing and the theory of uh, law of attraction and your mind creates your reality which has its downfall of if you're experiencing a, in parentheses a negative experience if you've got depression if you're in a unstable household and quite an abusive household what I've seen the error of that is is people then believing that they've created this mm. these people that are in this energy and this household thinking that they've created this and they're continuing to create it because they can't get out of this depth of depression and people being like well you create your reality just just think positively just think about this and think about that like it, it that doesn't work it can do it to a degree but there needs to be a lot more compassion with it and patience with it as well um, yeah. and then the new new thought then uh, or what came from that then was Norman Vincent Peale, who created, <laughs> he created positive thinking. <laughs> His movement was basically based around positive thinking mm. that declared that suffering is merely a state of mind and that one can overcome all obstacles through optimism and perseverance. I'm an optimistic person, but I also have a grounded approach to being like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to dwell in this grief and this sadness, I'm going to sit with it and allow it to process through my body, cry, shake, stomp around, whatever it is. But then I journal and do try to flip it. 
And I've done that, as I explained in the previous podcast as well, with the fear that was coming up within my body, with the uncoupling that Daniel and I are going through, the fear that came up and I was like, okay, I don't like this feeling, but what messages is in that for me? What, what's it showing me? And then how I can flip it to excitement mm. while still being mindful of, yeah, I'm still shit scared, but for the most part, I'm more excited than I am fearful because yeah. that feels better in my body. Um, and we just see a lot of people that are just overly optimistic about things um, that I just feel is a, a, a bypass. And you do a lot of like breath work as well and movement and body work. So you kind of have a deeper understanding of, I guess, the process that... Yeah, and like the more that I learn about like somatic therapies and... Um you know, I guess, like, how the body holds on to things like trauma and stuff yeah. is the, like, the more I learn about it, the bigger the, like, ocean it yeah. is. It's just like this... The more you realise you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't always work the same for everyone. And people want results a lot faster than usually is possible. And, and just how much these things and ideas that we've accumulated over time run our life in our and our body because we think we're acting from a certain way and that's the thing as well like so many people are just not unpacking all this like bypassing it like being super overly positive um whether that's in real life or especially like on instagram and all that sort of stuff i know one person in particular mm. like we've had a lot of run-ins with lately who does this but then acting out from all these pre-made conceptions without unpacking them and then, you know, writing them off as intuition and, like, so it's, like... And placing the blame onto the other person. Exactly. And, and that's the thing as well. Like, it's so easy to do because, you know, you have something come up, you label something or someone, and then you just repeat that information and any information that says otherwise you just block out mm. yeah so we've had like interactions with a couple of people in particular lately that uh have had very strong opinions about certain things or certain people and like they won't even have a conversation about it otherwise so they're happy to have the conversation that with other people with other people about you know perpetuating this idea but as soon as they there's an opportunity to discuss to discuss it that might have a differing opinion no not willing to listen like mm. to me if your opinion of anything whether that's about a person about your belief system about like an idea if your belief in that isn't strong enough to stand up to opposition or to contradictory things and then, then that's a serious issue mm. because if you really believe in it nothing should be able to change your mind mm. like nothing should like if you're really that you know set on it and that's the thing is what people like just like it's so easy to expose yourself into a little bubble because anyone who says otherwise you can block them or you can just not you yeah, know ghost them. yeah ghost them uh refuse to meet up in person like this is obviously a very like touchy topic because we've had this actually happening recently we won't go into it but yeah that people are basically just acting out of um I don't know what you'd even call it, creating narratives, creating stories, and then needing to back, like, mm -hmm. needing to perpetuate that so much, and they end up digging themselves a hole of just lies and absolute trash, and then, you know, and trying to remove anyone who contradicts that, mm. and, um, yeah. Or it's, it's even just the opening the dialogue to be able to see from their perspective, 
because we have our own assumptions, they have their own assumptions, mm. and trying to find the middle ground and seek understanding from both sides, but there hasn't been an opportunity for that dialogue to happen exactly with the people involved from the get-go. Yeah. Um, and I think we're, we're very over-informed as a society at the moment with the amount of information that we're subjected to and how, you know, everyone online is a therapist sort of mm. idea that they're using that to, as a scapegoat, to make themselves, I guess, it, it acts as like a barrier for them to not, um, using it as a form to deflect, I think that's the best way of saying it, to deflect um, from taking self-responsibility and being like, and uh, there's two ways of it, like the the truthful way, I guess you could say, or the honest way of using the terms as opposed to the performative ways of using the words to deflect. So in terms of like projection of like, I can see that that's a projection or like I'm not projecting here and continues to project. Yeah, they, um. they, they, yeah, essentially like, uh, I guess is the easiest way and like the most cliche way of saying it is like people can talk the talk, but they can't walk yeah. the walk. Everyone sees, so originally like the people who do the thing speak in a certain way. And so the people who want to be like them be like, well, I don't actually need to do the thing. I just need to seem like I do mm. the thing. So I'm just going to copy the way that these people talk. And so this is what we see perpetuated. Someone else sees someone else on Instagram that has no idea. And they're just talking about the thing. So they say the same thing mm. and regurgitate it. But then we end up with all these people talking the talk and nobody actually doing any of yeah. it. And nobody actually knowing, and, and that's the thing, because when they're hiding behind the screens, like they don't have to actually have a proper conversation about it. And because they know that they do, when they do, or like they meet someone that actually knows about this and says, actually, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. They just get blocked them out, yeah. you know? And it's frustrating too, because like on the other side of that, like, you know, there's this culture of like calling out people like that. Mm. And it is good to a certain extent, but I think like, and this is what we were talking about the other day is that a lot of people basically just want to be these like justice warriors or keyboard warriors or what do you want to call them and calling people out and attacking people sometimes that don't deserve it at all but they guise it as no we're just trying to help them mm. they need to realize what they're doing okay if that was really the truth you would message them directly especially if you know that mm. person like if you saw a friend or someone that you know acting in a way that you d think is problematic both for them and the people around them wouldn't you message them and be like, hey, I've noticed your behavior and I'm receiving it like this. And it, like, it seems to me that this and this is someone else has said this, like, I need you. I, I think it's important you're aware of it, not be like, you know, basically bitching and talking yeah. behind those people's backs or publicly shaming them. Mm. Because did you actually ask if that's what they were doing? Like, did you just hear about that? Mm. Like, and and it goes back to all the things like how are you experiencing that are, are they just doing something that triggers you because of a past experience so just labeling that person mm. that do you just want to feel like a justice warrior like do you need really like you need that in your life mm. to feel gratification or feel like you're doing something important performative morality Ex oh yeah that's a great term performative and morality it's just the the high school fiascos masters <laughs> consciousness High school fiasco's master's consciousness. Literally, and that and that's I what that. I just keep seeing because it's it's a recent experiences. I'm just like fuck this. It's just like high school. Yeah. It's just petty and it's high school and there's no resolution or no just no integrity, reverence, um, thought that's really gone into it. Um, but they're masking it as 
it's just coming from a conscious behavior and the whole idea of like the other one um, that I saw earlier of like the narcissism masters heroism mm. where it's narcissistic tendis- tendencies um, in either form of like the actual, you know, psychological narcissism or just, you know, the narcissism of feeling important and, mm. and self-important, but doing it under the guise of I'm just here to help you. I'm just looking out for you. Yeah. It's like, mm, no, you're not. No. Um, no, I'm a big girl. <laughs> um, and we're just, it has been recent experiences of ours, but it's also been something that has been very prevalent that we've seen, but it's just come closer to home. Mm. It's seeing it a lot. And then now it's really come more into the physical that it's like, whoa, okay, what is this? And also like we've done the reflection. We've looked at the the layers of truth within it, the layers of where it may be coming from, what messages is in it for us and and all of that. And then we're left with something that is not us sort of thing. Um, But then that goes into, I guess, um, what I was wanting to touch on as well, that you give a really great uh, discussion on really is the idea of the identities because a lot of these times, like what we're saying, like performative morality, mm-hmm. narcissism, heroism, you know, justice warrior, they're all identities, starseeds, identities. Mm. But it's what, like it does serve a purpose. Like we all have an identity. It's our ego, it's our persona, it's the mask that we put on. We all have identities to attach to, to make ourselves feel self-important. And like our lives mean something. Yeah. <laughs> that we're here for something amazing and great and something but just basically that our life means something um and And that's how religion's formed but we need an enemy yeah like we need a cause like sapiens i think i mentioned a few times a great book on this kind of idea of what bands humans together and we need a common cause which often is a common enemy Mm. like it doesn't have to be a person but like the enemy could be um you know a behavior it could be something this idealism yeah well politics Um, have done that haven't they exactly yeah Yeah. and so that's the thing and it trends a lot of the times like what is the enemy like what can we band together is it that you know it's like and this has come up recently it's like men in power Mm -hmm. right like who are you know taking advantage of certain situations with women which is a definite real thing Mm -hmm. but when you know and that's a really positive movement to to be aware of and to to crack down on but when you see uh things happening that you just imprint that idea onto that can be really negative like an example of this is when i was getting into veganism like seven or eight years ago um that i was starting to hang out with more and more people and it was kind of trending and it's like you know if anything's going to trend it's like a it's a nice thing to, to trend but the thing is so the perfect example is we were having like a, a barbecue thing with a bunch of friends we got together. There was a friend of mine who had been vegetarian since she was like five years old, right? So hadn't touched meat in, uh, since she was five years old. So I think she was like 23, two or 23 at the time, right? So hadn't touched it for like 18 years. And then someone else that I knew, and I knew they'd only been vegan for like maybe a couple of months or something like that, because they were new to it as well. Mm. And they absolutely attacked her. So, like, we were eating uh, food and stuff, and she had, like, cheese or something along those lines, or eggs or something, and they basically just told her that she was a horrible human being, Mm. and if she really cared about animals, she would not be eating cheese and not be eating uh, eggs, and and basically made her cry. And this is what one of the loveliest, loveliest, like, humans I've ever met. I knew her, 
Uh, and yeah, so but that's the thing as well. If it's like really about that, then how come, you know, she's been vegetarian her whole life. How is that like, you know what I mean? And, and it's that self uh, kind of grat gratification, that self-importance, like she was just the enemy. Yeah. And, and that's like... like self-entitlement as well. Like my way of living is more important or like it's better than your way of living. Again, it's like a religious discussion as well. Of yeah. like my God's the real God. My God's, my mm. God's better than your God. That sort yeah. of thing. But and like no compassion. And yeah. that's the thing. This person a few months ago was eating meat, were doing all that sort of stuff, like, was, like, you know, in in their mind, like, the enemy. Like, mm. they were a lot worse than this person who was a vegetarian. Mm. But because they labelled her as the enemy, anyone who didn't fit into this box yeah. as the enemy, like, it was just... Yeah, when people get into this mode, like, people enjoy it because it simplifies life. Mm. You know, a lot of people want simplicity, myself yeah. included. And if the simplicity is these people are bad or this or this is the enemy it's easy to live like and you also feel like you get that innate part of tribalism that we love mm. as humans like we want to feel like we're part of a team yeah, you know community. we see this in sporting and all that sort of stuff like we want to feel like we're part of something mm. a part of a team and it's like a beautiful part but a lot of the time it turns into things like witch hunts mm. basically like both literal and metaphorical yeah. um and we see this a lot and people often don't really appreciate how bad this behavior is until they're on the other end of it yeah, yeah? um Which oftentimes always ends up being the case i remember my mum saying all throughout high school of like if you know you hear someone talking about someone else like you know gossiping they're going to do it to you and it was something that i always kept in my head and like it's yeah. to be mindful of the people that are around you and if you know she's talking to someone it'll it'll come back to you yeah um because it's just the law of nature i think but yeah just the identity in relation to within the conscious community and new age community where it's all about um stripping back identities and and non-attachment and all this yet attach themselves to labels and attach themselves yeah. to these identities i'm fishing for something that you said though in discussions before in relation to identity and i'm pretty sure it was like tantra when we're stripping back all the layers and you're like the goo of like, what am I sort of thing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in the last episode, you heard all the Black Cockatoos. Now you get to listen to the Kookaburras. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think like identity. So there's like three. So in Tantra and this is also in different models as well. And so we have the, the B do have. So the B is the your identity. The doing is what, what that identity makes you do or what that kind of person does and then what you have because of that. And it works both ways. Um, you know how we were talking before how, um, you know, the idea of things just being in your mind um, and making you sick. But Tantra would say it works both ways. Mm. So um, you gave an example earlier before we started chatting of like if you eat a pile of like cow poo or something like that or like, yeah. you know, you eat something that's, you know, it's good, like... That's going to get you sick. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So you're probably going to get sick. But the thing is, in Tantra, for example, they would talk about creating a really strong energy body um, in that you're able to digest this sort of stuff and not get sick or not get as sick. Um, and so, yes, it is part of your mindset. So there's your awareness body, uh, the way you think, uh, your energy body, which is like the in-between, and then your actual physical body. And so, yeah, I would say that it is part natural phenomena of how your body works and all that sort of stuff. But your awareness and what you do with that awareness and the work you put in to 
uh, drop these ideas and, and, and cement these ideas into your body um, can change over time, but it doesn't happen usually quickly. And it's interesting, this, um, this new thought idea, because uh, Darren Brown, um, if you haven't heard of Darren Brown, uh, he is amazing. So he is a, he would call himself a conjurer or a hypnotist mm -hmm. or um, what was it, the mesmerist? Mesmerist, was, I like that. Yeah, um, yeah, he's basically a mesmerist. So, so he actually did a special. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is. So if you look up Darren Brown Miracle, what he did, he put on like this big like two or three hour stage show. He said, I'm going to do everything that these ministers do. Um, <laughs> oh no that was uh, that was so matrix. funny yeah um if anyone didn't hear that like it's siri scary. just came up <laughs> she said i'm not sure i understand she's on to us um but anyway he put on this show and so he he basically preferenced the audience he's like i'm not i don't have, have any supernatural powers i'm an atheist i don't even believe in god but i'm gonna do everything that ministers do and i'm gonna perform it and do it with all of my like energy um, but basically, I'm just going to manipulate you and, and convince you that I have these powers and heal you. And so he's like, just so you know, okay, let's go. And then he like he does all the things, and then people like he'll actually like go up and like do all that mm. stuff, and people will be temporarily healed from like ailments. And they even the say to him, the physical thing was him kind of putting his hand up to someone's head, and you know them starting to convulse. That yeah. Was the <laughs> and so it even has people on the stage. They're like, look, I know you said that you're just going to be manipulating us and doing all these things but I feel great you know this lady's like I, my knee feels healed <laughs> all that sort of stuff and so like he's big on NLP so neuro-linguistic mm. programming and just the idea like the placebo effect and how so it is real but you know it not it's not necessarily has to be labeled as being connected to God and it's exactly what you were talking about before it's the idea that like people have these experiences and they get narcissistic about it and say, I'm the one offering these experiences. I'm the one that's connected to a God or a deity. I'm mm. the one who's a prophet. I'm the one who's this. Where like really it's anyone can ch to tap into this with a mix of like unraveling layers and, and tuning into their like connection to whatever it is, but also learning the actual methods behind it um, that create these effects. Mm. And some may think the placebo effect means it's not real, but if it if it works, it's real. Mm. But a lot of time, also, what he, Darren Brown talks about is that these are temporary, and so people have these amazing experiences and might feel great. But part of it is like dopamine hits, adrenaline, all these kind of things, and like often these ailments come back after it, but they mm. never show that, mm. right? So like someone might actually have like this amazing experience on stage, but they're not not going to show that that person a few days later ends up having the back pain again. Mm. You know what I mean? So. Um, and he talks about the positive, the toxic positivity movement as well in just one more thing I want to touch on about that is that that can be very dangerous because it's a, it's, a, it's a negative spiral because if you are feeling bad about yourself and bad things are happening to you and you actually believe that all your thoughts make your reality and so if you can't stop thinking negative thoughts... Mm. It's a imagine that if yeah. you're like okay I make my own reality but I can't stop thinking negatively so that's going to create more negativity yeah. which creates more negativity in my life it's like a really bad spiral and people end up hating themselves because yeah. they're like oh my god I'm causing this I'm the one yeah. who's making my life terrible and you know yes for me I understand like I can transmute that into taking control of my life but someone who's like clinically depressed or someone who has mental uh 
you know, kind of mental health issues. It just has no tools to work Exactly. With. That can be really damaging to think, to tell someone that they're responsible for all the bad things in their life. Which um, a lot of, like, this is just what I've observed on TikTok and a lot of people explaining this on TikTok as well is, it's what a lot of the new age people on TikTok are basically saying. Mm. Um, and then the toxic positivity aspect of that is going through these things and being like, it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine. It's like, mm, it's not. You need to process this. Yeah. You need to sit with this. You need to regulate right now. Like, you you need help. Like, it's, it can be fine and there's a lesson in this, but you need to sit with it right now. But I think it's the idea of anything negative is evil. And that's what the uh, the new thought kind of was talking about, where it's like, um, all the diseases and, and all of that is from erroneous ways of thinking and evil spirits and all of that. But I hadn't done it before until just sitting down before this podcast looked into like the definition of evil. And it's just basically like immorality and uh, what was the other thing? Like wicked, wickedness, but then you can look <laughs> into what wickedness means. And so then you look at, okay, well, what's, what's immorality? And that can be immorality is obviously the opposite of moral, but then each society and culture may have their different ideas exactly. of what's moral. And then that's when the tension is. And so it can be evil, but evil isn't bad. It's just a, a contradiction to your, your moral system. And then it's how you go from that. So like the example um, I said before was like people that believe that sex is immoral is going to classify it as evil. Mm. I don't believe sex is immoral. Therefore, it's not evil to me. And that's just like a, a simple way of putting it. And then there's all the other things. And so then it's like, oh, all the evil spirits. It's like, well, what mm. are immoral about these spirits? Exactly. And then they classify them. And this is just going on like a little spiral and tangent, but still <laughs> somewhat in there. And I think we're going to do a different podcast on demons as it is. But then they classify those evil spirits as demons. Mm. And then recent, you know, interaction, not wanting to unpack the term and idea of demons basically saying that that point of information wasn't welcome in that comment section, like, you know, paraphrasing that all. And it's like, well, oh, okay then. <laughs> but looking at demon of the, our modern idea of it came from Augustine back way back when, in like the dark ages, middle ages, where he was really, really like Augustine of Hippo really pushed the Christian narrative and like two like extreme extremes basically and he then created the idea of our our modern depiction of demons basically prior to that demon came from greek daemon meaning highest uh higher self or could be um the lesser gods not meaning or lesser spirits not meaning that they're bad they're just not the gods they're just like your ancestors and energies of yourself it's just you can say the energy body even and then also ideas of it's the point of inspiration because it was attributed to your genius. And so like your genius is the idea of um, it's a separate entity in a way that comes in and then you drop you in that flow state and you're like, wow, that was genius. Yeah. Um, I think it all, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great mm. tangent and definitely keen to talk about it more um, in another one because we've had a lot of these conversations yeah. before. Um, but yeah, just while it's still fresh and we're still partly on it, yeah, it, it all comes down to people labeling what they think is good and what they think is bad. Mm. And like any any spirit or entity or behavior or person that fits into their category of what is good is essentially good. And, you know, people project this onto everything, even karma. Like 
from the from the Hindu kind of tantric perspective, karma has nothing to do with morals. Mm. Like karma is more of a cause and effect. And people be like, well, yeah, cause. You know, you do something bad, you get something bad. It's like no, like that is a very Christian moralistic thinking, and that's like we we that's what the, the- Theosophical Society mm. has done, and and perpetuated into the New Age yeah. movement. We've got this like Christian Western view of karma, which is basically based on all of our own. Uh, uh, prejudices mm. and judgments, and like it's it's fed back into India now. Mm. Like um, that's what has happened as well. That's a whole another subject. But you know, you do find it in India, but like it came from India to the West and then back to India from the West, and now we've got this mishmash. Um, but you know, because that's also mm. been very Christianized over there as well. But yeah, it's just like karma has nothing to do with whatever you think is right or wrong. Karma has to do with simple cause and effect of actions, and it's something like actually a lot more simple, mm. but yet a lot more complicated than us Westerners think, because it's it's often non-dualistic, and us Westerners have to be dualistic all the time, and be like, no, this is right, this is wrong, and like, yeah, and that's, so yeah, that's where the um, I'm pretty sure I mean, this is just an assumption that Wicked got their threefold law from karma, just because like Gerald Garner kind of formed Wicca after theosophy was kind of produced. Um, so the threefold law is what you do will come back to you threefold, which isn't the like law of nature prim- in, in all traditions, you know, it's primarily Wicca, but that's what is then the parentheses witchy community is basing a lot of their beliefs around is, is Wicca. Um, which is its own religion and belief system and tradition. It's like they're Wiccan and they practice witchcraft. They're like two separate things. Um, But a lot of people aren't educating themselves on deconstructing their witchcraft beliefs and then projecting all of it. It's just, I'm sure like you guys can understand the mishmash of the whole community and how ungrounded it is because it isn't grounded in just one thing. It's, got its fingers in too many pies and the pie is switching and they're swapping and going into all the different things yeah so we get translations of translations of translations and exactly and i I think it was a good idea that they put the threefold in in air quotes law in there because yeah i think it's a good thing to like for people who do get into magic and do end up realizing that there is power in it um, to second guess their action is because, yeah, and that's why in real magical systems and in like a real like spiritual systems, you unpack yourself first before you start necessarily like getting more power because like even like Chris Waller said like who is a big tantra classical tantra practitioner and my mentor, um, he said you know unless you do the prep work, tantra is just going to be make you a more powerful jerk. Because Tantra is, like, yoga is more of the unpacking. Tantra is more of starting to channel fuel and power through everything that you do. But if you just start to channel fuel and power through everything you do, which is a lot of the New Age community, like, if they do manage to get it right and actually get the power, they're just fueling their biases and, mm. um, and, I think and what- making themselves more powerful jerks. And, sorry, I'll just quickly finish this sentence, you're yours. Um, it's just that, yeah, having that background in their head like am i if i is what i'm doing right because if it isn't it might get me back and i think that's a good thing to second guess people um so yeah yeah, they don't act out of just reactivity and anger and jerkiness yeah Yeah. and i think just 
I'm assuming like just the when you said real magical systems, just traditional magical systems, ones that have I guess like been around for a long time, have been tried and tested, or are you what what's your idea on? Or that can be a whole other episode. Yeah, it might be a whole other episode. <laughs> but basically, yeah, ones that have a coherent framework of the universe, um, meaning that you can use that that system. Like that system will have an idea of what happens after you die, uh, about like what's the map of your soul, um, what what's possible in the universe, um, what kind of like other non-corporeal, corporeal means like non-physical, so what kind of like other spirits like are there, are there different realms, like what's the overall map of the universe, mm. what is the method of communication in that, for the, for the, so for example in the runes and the runic system it's all like Norse myth, so we have, okay we've got nine realms or nine worlds which represent different ideas of consciousness, non-consciousness, um, physical world, um, all that sort of stuff, nature, and then you've got the 24 runes which are the basically the elements of the universe. We have different pantheons, so gods, goddesses representing different things. We have psychology, so there's like 12 parts to your soul. Um, all these different pieces make up the most, and like you can't just use the runes without knowing how the rune is connected to the bigger belief system. Mm. Well, you can, but it's not going to have the same effect. And so a real magical system, or like a full magical system, mm. um, has all these elements, and it's not just like, oh, you're just going to light a candle and you know, Thanks. make something happen. <laughs> that t That is more what I call sorcery. Mm. So sorcery is like manifestation magic. Mm. Like you could definitely make that happen, but you're probably gonna get pretty bored of it or it's gonna be very limited because you're still gonna be operating out of that of what's possible based on whatever religious beliefs you've had growing up. So if you're doing candles and you're making stuff happen and you haven't unpacked your Christian upbringing, you're gonna like end up getting feeling guilty about it because like, oh no, I'm messing with the universe. I'm like, I'm gonna be punished, mm. all this stuff. So you need to unpack that first. We don't need to do anything. <laughs> highly suggested though. <laughs> yeah, highly suggested that you unpack it all. Um, and in the end, it comes all the way circling back just quickly to what we said about the intuition. It's like, what have you set up to actually be brutally honest with yourself and see if what you're doing is actually working, mm. yeah? If your intuition, you know, air quote, intuition tells you something, how are you testing if it's actually true or not? Are you just acting out and then just not actually ever checking if it's mm. correct? If you're actually manifesting something, if you're trying to manifest money, if you're trying to do this, if you're trying to do this, how are you testing if what you're doing is actually working or if you're just deluding yourself mm. that you're actually doing it? Yeah, like, you know, and it's tricky. It's like, I'm, there's no easy answer to this question, um, you know, other than coming and doing the yoga teacher training because we <laughs> give you all these tools. Plug. Yeah. Um, but just find out ways that you can be honest with yourself and, and figure out what is working and what isn't. And, you know, I we joke a lot and make a lot of fun and, you know, sound like we're, you know, semi-attacking people <laughs> here. But, like, w I believe that you, like, any human, and that's the thing, anyone... Yeah, some of us have more natural ability in certain things, but anyone can do magic. Anyone can do this. It just takes down to actually doing the work and not what you said before, you know, to go and sit with it. Actually sit with it, please. Don't just tell everyone on Instagram or yeah. someone that you've been sitting with stuff and moving through things when you really have just been scrolling your phone. Yeah. Sit down, Watching Netflix, slow down tea. your breath. <laughs> Let the things move and come up through your body, whether that's images, emotions, thoughts, ideas, reactions. But can you observe all those things 
and know that you're not those things and you're not ruled and governed by them, but you have a choice to how to act when those things come up. That is sitting with it, yeah? Like, and then viewing where are these things coming from? You know, is this like actually the way that you think? Is this serving you? That's sitting with stuff, not just oh, telling people <laughs> that you're sitting with stuff. And yeah, if you, if things aren't changing and shifting, then yeah, sorry, but you're not doing the work. Yeah. Just, um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I could go on about this all day. Yeah. But we're getting close to the hour. Yeah, yeah. I just want to um, finish just because it has, I can't remember if I mentioned it in the previous podcast, I think I may have lightly touched on it, but um, saying that, because I put out a question on um, Instagram in relation to what my followers view as like what their qualms are with the community. And one of the, like, there were like two top answers. One of them is the idea of like the conscious community. And I think we've kind of unpacked that a lot in our view of it, but then also the whitewashing and watered down of the sacred practices. And I'm going to do another episode on it because I feel like it needs to be discussed more as opposed to just kind of like the, the tail end of a podcast. But I feel what you said before of uh, just lighting a candle and you're calling it magic. I've, what came up for me is people thinking that just getting a white sage stick from down at the dollar store and then waving it around the house is magic without unpacking what it is that they're using, the culture in which it comes from, how that culture used it, their set up belief system around it and their connection with that, the spirit of the herb that comes from just this one location in the entire world. Like it's only from like white sage has only appeared in the south of America, like California, I think it's like Arizona region. I might be wrong. I'm not an American. And then um, like Mexico. So the north of South America, weird saying the south of North America and the north of South America, <laughs> but it's only that location. We are welcome to use any sort of garden sage that that shows up around the world, but this specific strain is only shown in this one region, which is highly and deeply connected with the native tribes there. And they've got their whole I, and connection with the spirit there that they're trying to share with people that are misusing this herb, just giving them awareness on what it is that they're doing, that using the herb in the way that we're just lighting it on fire, five minute, go around the house, oh, it's cleansed the space, and then not filling the space with something. When I was, and this is like, I'm calling myself out and like I used white sage like up until a few years ago when I started getting more awareness of what it is that I'm doing, I was using it. I was using Palo Santo, I was misusing a lot of practices, but it's in the process of decolonizing our beliefs and then de um, unsettling our beliefs as well that we can then move forward and owning that, oh, okay, I'm sorry that I use this. I'm aware that I had misused it. Now I'm making the conscious effort to to not do that and also use other herbs that are more, I found more connection with in relation to my ancestry. So mugwort, which is runs rampant pretty much around the world and has, I just love that energy. I feel it's really potent. Um, and so it's just the, the watered down aspects of it. I'm just using uh, white sage as just one example, just because it's more in my recent memory of an experience I had um, just the other day on Facebook, where the moment as well that you, in quotes, call someone out or just call them in or whatever word you like to use of just bringing awareness to people about using something. More often than not, what I've observed as well, it's 
a white person then getting angry about the fact that you're calling them out on misusing something that didn't, in quotes, belong to them in the first place sort of thing. It's something that a follower said to me of just like a, um, a response that they had to it, which I thought was also funny. But yeah, it's we just need to sit with a lot of the practices that we, that we do, even just like sitting and looking at the things that you do and then looking into where they came from and how traditionally they were used. And yeah, and I mean, it's, it's finding a balance on these as well because the thing is, I don't want us to get to the level of like cancel culture or over doing this narrative to the point that we can't do anything because so many practices uh, like a, are a mishmash of different things. Mm. And, and depending on the culture, like you will ask different people from the same culture and they have all different opinions. One person might be completely against anyone who isn't from their culture doing their practices mm. or doing these things where someone else from the exact same culture might be like yeah whatever as long as they're doing it respectfully um that's completely fine mm. and the thing is as well that is that like there's a couple of pieces to this because a lot of time we don't know we're doing anything wrong um because we see someone talking about yeah. it and saying something and then we just do the same thing yeah. monkey see monkey do yeah. you know you might be like <laughs> we're not monkeys well we kind of are kinda like are. you know that's if you think about what what is happening most of the time on social media someone sees someone doing something copies regurgitates that because they want to pass on the next thing and so all i'm asking personally like you know i'm sure Cass has a slightly different opinion on this mm. but if you do see something that looks cool like say for example saging before you go and do it or even talk, especially talk about it is be like okay cool what is this practice called how do i find out information about it don't just take for granted like whatever this person on tiktok says about mm. it like you know yes look at wikipedia but also look at other sources and like try to like maybe look at three to five different sources um you know online and just find the middle ground it's like you know are all these people saying that it's okay are some of them saying it's okay some not and just like and that's like just basic critical thinking like skills it's like you know cool this this lighting the candle thing like where does this come from though does this person know where they got it from like what culture does it originate from and did it originate from a culture is it a widespread thing and i think as well in relation to sage and things that can be regarded as closed practices or just not appropriate to be used in particular settings like what i've unpacked is okay there's a lot of gray area with this because like as you say like there's some people that say that you can some people that say that you don't why am i hell-bent on using it like do, do i have to use it no there's other things i can use i can use lavender for my garden i can use the mugwort that i'm growing in the back i can use all these other things is it so necessary for you to use or do this specific practice or are there other practices that are available? But yeah, people don't often know, I think. No. And that's, yeah, and that's also like what I'm trying to remedy um, eventually with the House of Majors. It's probably a while away yet, but I, I want to have a section where um, people can find out like what kind of practices are from where. And mm. like we've been talking about this, trying to create like almost like a tree, like a kind of ancestry tree of like where practices come from and like what can be substituted and what options there are, but it's a while away. Um, oh, just the last part I'd like to finish with is like, as someone who who has practiced, not just read about and done all these sort of things, but like actively practiced and seen uh, how different ways of operating change the way that magic works, is that you're always going to get more out of your magical practices the more you know about why you're doing what you're doing mm. and where it's from, whether that's summoning a spirit, right? So if you call a god, a, you know, a deity or a goddess or something like that, 
you're gonna get way more potent results by researching everything you can find about that goddess. Like if you're working with, um, you know, say Freya, rather than just knowing the name and having a basic mm. picture, if you like read all the mythology uh, sections about Freya, if you watch other people's interactions with Freya, like always the more the better because it becomes more real. It's like a character in a book who becomes more real, like they, they affect you. Um, yeah, so yeah, you, you, you're always gonna get benefits from diving deeper. Um, yeah, it's only going to benefit you um, yeah. in your magical practices, learning why we do the things we do. Definitely. Why you do the things you do, why you feel the draw to doing what you're wanting to do, researching it, doing all the things, different interpretations of it, the whole thing. Um, I think that's just the main thing that I wanted to get in this podcast as well and just reiterating what I said in the previous one again of just anything that we say, look into yourself, feel into yourself. You're welcome to disagree with us in any sort of capacity. You're welcome to agree with us. We like people that are in, in agreement, but we also don't want to be like supporting echo chambers. We want critical thinkers here. We want to support critical thinkers, looking into things, feeling into things, um, looking at your own life, things that may have sparked new ideas within you that we may have mentioned um, and interact with it in the, um, in the comments section on the Instagram post or through DMs. Just let us know how you, um, yeah, your thoughts on this, what, what triggers you within the community, if you've had similar experiences. Um, yeah, we'd love to know. But thank you for your presence. I know, it's, again, it's a long one, but it's, you know, whenever we are in discussions, it ends up being big discussions. And yeah, that's why I'm just trying to keep us, like, on, on time kind of thing, because, yeah. like, me and Cass could talk and do talk for hours and hours and hours yeah. and hours and hours and um do, uh, yeah. do some more ones but yeah i'm really grateful that we're finally able to to share more of our conversations so yeah, yeah. thank you so much Cass, for, for having me and um for being your awesome self and um yes i appreciate you and i appreciate you listeners um enjoy the rest of your day and we'll see you in the next episode bye bye